Hi, this is the Redheaded Preacher coming to you on Monday, the night before Election Day, and share with you a brief prayer that I was uh, that I found in an email from the United Church of Christ, and let me share that with you as a prayer. God of community, we seek you out today, yearning for your guidance, our minds filled with anticipation. We pray for a safe space to consider the issues and options in this election. We pray for calm in our neighborhoods and on the streets as we continue to cast our ballots and await the outcome of the election. We ask that you rain down your blessings on those who work to ensure that polling places are safe and accessible. We pray for their safety on election day. We know you go with us as we answer your call to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you. In the name of Jesus, the risen Christ, the Prince of Peace, we pray. Amen. I hope you found this meaningful, that you were able to access it in time. Thank you, and God bless you, and God bless the United States of America as we seek to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States of America and its democratic republic. Amen. Welcome to this edition of the Red-Headed Preacher. My name is Richard Lanford. I'm the Red-Headed Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois, an open and affirming congregation within the United Church of Christ. Today, our elector is Molly Uchtman, who is a college student uh, currently in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, the scriptures that she's reading are from the book of Joshua and the gospel according to Matthew. The homily title, it's a shortened version of a sermon. It's not that much shorter today, but it's a little bit. It is called uh, Crossing Jordan 2020. And so I'll let you listen in on that, and I hope you find it uh, encouraging and challenging. I know those are two words I've used before, but I also hope that you find it hopeful as we go through these days and the living of these days as people of faith. And so, without going any further, let's go into our 22nd Sunday after Pentecost. Our first reading is from the book of Joshua, chapter 3, verses 7 through 17. Our Hebrew scriptures so far have taken us to the death of Moses. Now, the new leader Joshua directs them in crossing the Jordan River into the Promised Land. The Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so that they may know that I will be with you as I was with Moses. 
You are the one who shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Joshua then said to the Israelites, Draw near and hear the words of the Lord your God, Joshua said. By this you shall know that among you is the living God, who without fail will drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is going to pass before you into the Jordan. So now select twelve men from among the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. When the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rests in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan flowing from above shall be cut off. They shall stand still in a single heap. When the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant were in front of the people. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks through the time of the harvest. So when those who when those who bore the Ark had come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the end the edge of the water, the waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap far off at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathon. While those flowing towards the Sea of Arabah, the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off, then the people crossed over opposite Jericho. While all Israel were crossing over on dry ground, the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. This ends the reading from Joshua. Our next reading is Matthew 23. Verses 1 through 12. Jesus begins advising his disciples and the crowds on the scribes and Pharisees. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do what they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have a place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues, and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Here ends the reading from Matthew and our scriptures for today's service. May God give us wise and faith-filled understanding of this, the word of God, for the people of God. It's a big Sunday. I believe every Sunday is a big one, since it's the weekly celebration of the resurrection of Christ. This Sunday is big, because in addition to celebrating the Lord's Supper, there are a lot of things going on. As people of light, informed by the scriptures and the Holy Spirit, theology and community, and nourished by the bread and cup, what clarity of vision might we have? to bring to what's going on. Well, there were a lot of things going on in our first reading, 
Molly told the story of the crossing by the proto-Israelites over the Jordan, through the Jordan, into the Promised Land. It's a story of a people undergoing transitions. Think about it. What do you think are some of the transitions that were happening? One change is geographical. The people, after 40 years of wandering in the desert east of Jordan, were moving across the Jordan into Canaan land to stay, to make a home, to set up tribal lands and villages and get established in this land that's flowing with milk and honey. They are moving in. That's the first and obvious transition. Another change is in leadership. Moses has died after 40 years of leading them, and both he and the Lord appointed Joshua the new leader. I will be with you as I was with Moses, Yahweh told Joshua. Now Joshua had become Moses' protege, but all the same, there's a new boss, other than the Lord. In a, you know, the next, that's a transition for the people. Then there is a generational transition. Other than Joshua and Caleb, it's safe to presume that a whole bunch of those crossing over were born during the desert travels. Forty years have passed. Being enslaved was part of their heritage, but maybe not their experience, unless it was internalized. Because as someone once told me, you can take the slaves out of Egypt, but that does not mean you have taken Egypt out of the slaves and former slaves and maybe their descendants. And that's a whole other topic. These people are transitioning, too, from being in a relatively safe, wandering modality, needing to be defensive from time to time, to now having to be aggressive, even on a warpath to take this land from the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, etc., and make it theirs. That's a shift in focus and a sense of purpose. Lastly, it's a shift into a new milieu, partly a cultural milieu, not only to becoming aggressive, but being in a new place with new religions around you and discovering how to get along between each other when they'll be in villages and in tribes and, and broken up, the Israelites will ultimately go their separate ways into their tribal lands. They've been in a big group all this time, a cultural milieu that will be brand new, part of the transition. Well, crossing the Jordan involved and represented a lot of transitions. The homily is titled The Crossing Jordan 2020 because, you guessed it, we are going through a lot of changes too. Some of them are church-related, such as how we've worshipped via the internet since mid-March due to COVID. It's also affected how we hold meetings. We transitioned as well from a full-time pastorate to three-quarter time and our first full year with Ben as our music director. Changes in leadership 
as well as other things, largely due to COVID, but not totally. This has also affected how we could do the rummage sale and the events and gatherings that <clears throat> were held with precautionary measures taken or that were canceled for safety's sake. Transition. COVID has forced not only our church and churches into transitions, but our society. There have been generational changes going on and generational changes happening. The killing of George Floyd along with Breonna Taylor and so many others almost accumulating into this summer, that really flipped the switch for a lot of white folks to being willing to openly discuss systemic racism, the benefits of whiteness, and related areas of police interactions, healthcare, voting rights, and access, white supremacist movements, and much more. That is a transition for this country, which I hope is far from finished, if it is ever, really. I hope our people remain engaged for a transformation to equal justice under the law for all. Another transition coming upon us is the elections. This is the last Sunday before Election Day. Whether there is a change in leadership in Washington and elsewhere or not, transitions are coming. There may be violence, which also pushes our national identity out of its comfort zone. There may be civil disobedience, which is more in our comfort zone as Americans and as followers of Jesus Christ. I'm not ordained to predict outcomes, but I was ordained to preach the kingdom of God as declared in the law, the prophets, and revealed and embodied by our crucified and risen Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever we undergo transitions, it is imperative that the church be guided by the values of God's realm. We heard just last Sunday that loving the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our souls, and with all our minds and loving our neighbor as ourselves are the two greatest commandments. And all the other ones hang on those. They depend on those. If you do those, the rest will follow suit and fall into place and happen. In my November announcer piece, I said that we love our neighbors as ourselves by how we vote and by the fact that we vote. Now as we cross Jordans of 2020, our love of God and neighbor, in addition to other kingdom of God values that flow from that, they are to be manifest in how we live in these transitions, whatever comes. A few things about this as we contemplate Crossing Jordans 2020. Here's the first. Remember the priests. Remember the priests. They carried the Ark of the Covenant, which held the tablets of the Ten Commandments. Their feet went into the water of the river Jordan first. Then the people crossed over. They were there for that, holding the Ark. After that, but not in our text, Joshua commanded twelve stones to be placed in the river as a marker to what had happened, and only after that did the priests 
still carrying the ark, leave the river and come to the people. The priests, in a way, represent the presence of God. They led the way in, but waited for all to pass over safely. They brought up the rear. It reminds me in, of this passage in Revelation when the Lord said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Priests, the presence of God among the people, bookended the transition across the river and were part of it. They were, or God was, and is, always present through God's servants, God's people, and the free Holy Spirit. Whenever you and I, America, or St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie undergo change, which is usually scary. Nobody leaves the warm circle of the familiar without pain. Never forget God is present. The transitions may well be sanctified. God is at work. Here's another. In Matthew 23, Jesus pointed out the hypocrisy of the scribes and the Pharisees. Quote, they sit on Moses' seat, therefore do whatever they teach you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they teach. He goes on to describe how they are cruel and how they burden others with details of law and custom while neither helping them nor doing the same unto themselves. And here's the killer verse. They do all their deeds in order to be seen by others. All their deeds to get attention and maintain their status in the eyes of the people. Where's God? Where's love for the neighbor or for the poor? Cotton Patch Gospel renders that all they do is for show. Frederick Bruner translates, they live their whole lives in order to be noticed by other people, pointing out that the Greek to be seen can also be understood to make theater. And Jesus condemned theatrical living, living to be seen by others, in the Sermon on the Mount. Bruner adds, Jesus does not deny that they lived for God, but he asserts that even their life for God has as its final purpose others' esteem, their real God. By comparison, by blessed comparison, Jesus teaches the kingdom of God value of service for others without care for a title or status. There is to be no status among servants because, quote, the greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all who humble themselves will be exalted. It sounds like Jesus knew something about the times we're living in today. He called a spade a spade when calling out the hypocritical scribes and Pharisees. They're in it for themselves, for what you think of them, 
for exaltation and acclaim. Jesus says, not to be so among you. Don't do what they do. We are not to give our lives in service to our egos being assuaged we, or assuaged. We do not exist. And Jesus did not get crucified and raised again so that all we his people do is for show. No, all we do is for the reign of God. R-E-I-G-N. The reign of God. The kingdom of God. In this passage... That's mutual service and modesty. It's a warning that Christians not fall into the traps of the scribes and Pharisees, but keep our egos in check with God up front. This is how we carry ourselves in transitions. Mutual service and humility. Do not exclude prophetic action when called for. It occurs to me that actions on behalf of justice are communal actions grounded in love for God and God's values, love for our neighbor, and they are deeds of service. They bear witness, but it is not about us. It's about the realm and the values of God. They always belong, maybe especially in times of transition where there is so much change going on and it is easier to draw on this when we recall the priests in their Jordan crossover. So in transitions brought about by COVID or the upcoming elections, remember the priests, emblems of the presence of God, present at the original Jordan crossing, in our Jordan Crossings 2020, let us also draw not only on that memory become present reality of God, but also on the teaching of Jesus. God is not in those who do it all for show, even if, perhaps especially if it's religious show. God is not served by phonies, but by people who serve each other, and who choose service over status out of love for God and love for neighbor. Keep the values of God and how you and I treat others imperfect as we are. Loving service can lead the faithful to de-escalate with angry persons carrying guns and releasing profanity. It can bring those who are able to acts of peaceful resistance against injustice, theft, and cruelty. The greatest among us will be our servants out of love for us and for kingdom values. Lastly, something that transcends transitions is Holy Communion. As the priests upheld the ark, which contains some of the manna from the wilderness, so do modern-day ministers offer the bread of the earth and the fruit of the vine. It is bread for the journey. It is the meal of mercy, which helps us to be merciful. It is the feast of forgiveness, enabling our ability to forgive and reconcile by the active grace of God, that it is that body broken and blood shed which stayed not long in the tomb, 
but was raised in triumph over all that would crucify the truth and the love of God. We need this spiritual union to help us keep on the straight and narrow of agape love, courage, endurance, faith, and hope. So let's also bring our bread and cup to our Jordan crossovers of 2020. We'll need it. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this edition of the Redheaded Preacher podcast. We look forward to what next week's will bring, seeing it is the first sermon after the elections. And uh, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it, and God bless your week.